0: Is my mic high enough? Made some technical changes in the last week and I've had to do some adjustments and I hope that you're hearing me mixed with the others clearly. Um, It's 12.04 in an hour in real time. Gonna catch up with Zach. You might know Zach, it actually won't be an hour because I'll give you something here and then uh, I'll edit Zach in. Uh, Zach was the dude in the fall Standing out at the corner of Secor and Door um, with signs of positivity. I guess he did this again recently because someone here at work shared with me a recent 13 ABC video with Zach. So I want to talk to Zach. I think you'll enjoy hearing Zach because I did uh, poke fun at him just a little bit because he has an East Coast accent. Um, welcome to the podcast. Uh I I'm I told Alex I'm just going to roll solo today. But I'm considering urgent care and I'm not an urgent care person. Um I've been I went once in the last year. My ears are very waxy, like a little boy, and I'm like, "Um, can you I I like an oil change. I need my ears cleaned out twice a year." Um I have an eye thing. Like my eyelid feels heavy. My vision isn't really blurred only in the corner. It's not so inflamed that I'm like, oh, pink eye, or but it, it could be. I don't know, so I might roll to to urgent care later. And um, I'm gonna. I've been working on getting something bloggish back into play. So this way, when I write these long posts on Facebook, they are saved on my phone. I've started doing that, but I can also put them somewhere else. Um, one of my my life rules, and there are many of them. Remember, like, um, don't get fancy with your orders. At drive-throughs and fast food places, like saying no onions is basically asking for them to rub it on their butt cheeks. Not everywhere, but I'm just saying it's a risk I don't want to take. Um, don't make medical decisions. When you when you first wake up. I used to do that all the time. And I had so many doctor's appointments scheduled. Um, scheduled Like on the phone with them. Before 8 a.m. There were so many times over with the morning rush. Before I got my anxiety. I, I was a hypochondriac. I'd be like. I, I'd literally be waiting for a commercial break. And going. Hey can you get me in? I'm off the air at 10. I'll be there at 10.03. Um, and your brain's really not working first thing in the morning. So I do my best to not make any kind of medical appointment. in Early in the a.m. I did wake up at um uh, 5.00. And a little growth My eye was kind of like Crusted shut But there's nothing there now There's a little red So I'll figure it out Um, so A bunch of things to get to Before we talk to Zach here Some fun, some serious Let's start with the serious one Another perspective um, About Jawan Armour, the gentleman who we spoke about yesterday, who was supposed to be the lead violence interrupter um, between um, our city's residents and some of the dangerous, violent neighborhoods, and the city and police, and so on and so forth. This is, um, and I almost, I almost always agree with the Blade editorial board, and I don't know who that board is specifically and I don't know how exactly if it's writers who contribute to it and they write under the editorial board the editorial board name but it's an interesting perspective and, and Alex and I did a back and forth on text uh, this morning about it it wasn't so much that they were they weren't really questioning his past and his run-ins with the law they brought up what I thought was a very good point and I'm gonna read this from remember the blade news slide always free. But you've got to read You got to read it that day. You can't go back for articles. He starts his job as a target with few resources and no real plan and without the ability to protect himself because he's not a police officer. Finally, it's not clear what he's supposed to do first or next after that, except somehow follow the example of the Chicago anti-gun violence program that manifestly has not worked. So, Alex brought up the fact that she was concerned that the mayor might have rushed this whole thing for the optics of it and i believe at least as long as i've lived here um messaging has not been great by by the city and i'm not pinpointing that on one person i'm I, I think and i can't give you specific examples maybe you can think of them but i think local government in the in years past it's gotten better than this it's it's never the it's it's uh what it's never the it's never the crime it's the cover-up in most cases it's the messaging and in this case Maybe the optics and messaging were okay, but the nitty-gritty details are not there because I think the Blade editorial board posed wonderful questions. He starts his job as a target. Maybe the police are not thrilled. Maybe more police are siding with the patrol association, and they're like, we don't want this dude out there doing this. In a sense, he is doing their jobs, but he's trying to make their jobs easier in some way. Again, he's a a conduit. Um, Also, this part was super stark to me. And without the ability to protect himself... I don't know if he is going to have, what is a CCP, a concealed weapon. Like, I don't know if he's going to be carrying a gun. So if if there is a testy, heated situation that he is supposed to intercede in and try to calm down, I mean, people might pull out weapons. And all he has to protect himself is his words. But again, that's what he is supposed to be very proficient and efficient in. Um, and then the last thing, yeah, what is like? what exactly do you do? Do uh, do? you do? Uh, Somebody passed along a job opening to me the other day. And job openings these days are 10,000 pages long. It's so they can give you all the... It's so that almost anything will fall under the purview of that person's responsibility. And then when you go, that ain't my job, which please take that out of your vocabulary. It never works. Find another way to protest that's not my job is not a great attitude even if it's not find a better way to to go about saying something besides that um but yeah like w- let me see ten thousand words let me see a thousand words about what he's going to do or maybe there was a powerpoint given um exactly how he is going to do in certain situations and not others so i, I think the, the blade uh, editorial board brought up some extremely valid points about juan armor who I hope at the very least like regardless if you disagree with his hiring the position in general, all parties should want what the city is hoping for him to achieve less gun violence and uh, I know Chicago was like the murder capital of the country and it was just killings after killings after killings um it might have been glossed over in the early days of the pandemic or nine months ago before George Floyd stuff people had said, Things are going to happen. There will be collateral damage um, in many ways. And all of us really focused on mental health. But for some of us, um, mental health issues transition or manifest themselves into gun issues. So when we had like what a record number of killings or amount of violence last year in Toledo, um, anybody that could see that we were in a pandemic, um, I'm sure you could have. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guesstimate. I bet you could have lopped off 20% of the violence and killings, sadly, that we had here in Toledo last year if this was a non-pandemic year. Desperate times, desperate straits. people begin to go afoul of the law. Um, i got to put my phone on vibrate here. One other thing uh, on the serious side of things, and I really, really, really wanted to have Alex in on this, and we'll get to this. So you saw the gymnast coach that killed himself last week. And that's the key phrase. Um, I believe Christian Brown did a story for 13ABC about a local girl who was affected by what he did. I did not read the story. I really didn't want to. Um, she said that she did not feel that justice was served. And I 1,000% understand that perspective. Um, I even said this on, on the old show a lot. If I were in charge of certain things, I would have some type of psychologist like if you're if you're ta- if you're um, going back and forth between the death penalty and uh, life in prison um, instead of like the court choosing which they believe is worse um, I would want a psychologist to do it. The worst punishment in this person's head is they don't want to die. Um, they're not contrite. they're an evil human but they're not afraid of dying. So lock him up for life. Does that make sense? Because um, me, if I was ever in that situation, light that chair up, put the put the needle in my arm, because I would be much more terrified of spending my life in prison than dying. I'm afraid. So hopefully, that makes sense. Um, this guy, for many people, like in, in the Christian Brown story and and those victims, they believe he took the easy way out and. I I believe he killed himself just like days, if not hours, right after all these accusations and that uh, that came out about him. I, I had to double check and go, was this the same... Like, the story happened so quickly. Was this the same guy with the allegations, all the dozens of them just came out? Or was this somebody else? I completely sympathize and empathize with victims who do not feel that justice was served by him doing this. That's not necessarily the discussion I want to have. I'm willing to have it, um, and I think we can have a cordial debate. I I totally hear your side on it. Um, And again, maybe his fear was spending the rest of his life in jail. He was terrified of that, so he decided to kill himself. Um, And let's go to that. I think most publications, media outlets, have stopped saying committed suicide, Um, I found that in the last three or four years, that phrasing has really started to bother people. And I understand, um, because when you say committed suicide, it is akin to committing murder and If a person has killed themselves, they don't want um, the personal anguish that they were going through. Not this dude, like people like me who have thought about ending their lives to make the depression and hopelessness go away. You didn't commit anything. Um, Your brain was all messed up. We didn't get you the right help. We didn't get you the right medication or therapy. And... Sadly, the only way for that person to end the pain and despair—and again, I've been there—the the crippling anxiety—is to end their life. So I can understand why the change from committed suicide to other things. You don't want to—you don't want to equate committed mur- committing murder to committing suicide and vice versa. So the word that many people have, the phrase that many people have adopted, is "died by suicide." That one, I don't—it doesn't make grammatical sense to me. I guess you could be, you could die by drowning, die by auto accident. But to me, those aren't necessarily, they don't roll off the tongue neatly. And I get, I am quibbling over here over phrasing. I get it. It's just something that sticks with me. One of my little idiosyncrasies. So, can we have a compromise? And I saw... A handful of media outlets do this, and this is what I wanted to talk to Alex about. But I am glad you are here, and your perspective is always welcome. Uh, can we just do "kill themselves? Like that, that? I realize that is not that shouldn't be as offensive to you and or others where it's a sensitive topic as "committed suicide." So when I talk, when I I am aware of this, and I try not to, and I try not in discussions, particularly mental health ones, I try to avoid at all costs saying "committed suicide." But I do not hesitate to go, "He killed himself." He killed himself. She killed himself. Or she killed herself. Um, so could that be a compromise? Could he or they killed themselves be a neat compromise between the weirdness of died by suicide and committed suicide? Thoughts? Feedback? Always welcome. Um you can always text in or well text for the radio stuff. You can DM me easily enough. Um some lighter things to get to. Uh congratulations to Gal Gadot who is uh, pregnant for the third time with her dude and um you know the actress. You'll google her and go, "Oh, I love her." Uh she's been in at, at, so I posted something on the Facebook page Eric Chase and the Fam, that Facebook page, and I said, "I love her." Um Indira Varma, I believe it's her name. Again, you're like, "Who?" She's not obscure by any means. She's been in big shows. Um, she was in Luther. You're like, "What's Luther?" Go back and watch Luther. I think it's aged well. With Idris Elba. Um as Chuck uh from from the home, Chuck, did I get that right? As Chuck from the home, uh Chuck from the the group home, reminded me, she arguably has the greatest most bone-chilling scream in the history of TV or cinema, forget about whatever it was—Jamie Lee Curtis or Psycho or anything like that. I watched it again. She is the wife of Oberyn Martell. Was he the the what? Not the, oh god, spider? Some some kind of insect or something? Oberyn Martell from Game of Thrones. Um, was it the mountain? Or was it the hound? Was the no? I confused my big guys. I think it was the mountain who crushed Pedro Pascal's skull, which. I I didn't even remember Indira Varma, the actress. Uh, the, I didn't even remember the character Scream. I was still trying to manage. Oh my God, uh, that dude, and granted, I know it wasn't a real head, but he put his his giant thumbs into the into Pedro Pascal's eye sock. some kind of dummy Pedro Pascal. And squished it like it was fruit or a pumpkin and watched it explode. That's Indira Varma. I believe she has been cast in the Obi-Wan um, prequel coming to Disney+. Plus. So I really adore her and um, I saw it a bunch of places. I realized that there are many many things um, and I realized that we are probably not the um, the tougher sex um, by any means um, when we talk about comparison, like I'm not even gonna try to offer any empathy or anything when it comes to a lot of things that a woman deals with. One superficial, one super superficial. One is we'll never experience what it's like, what you enjoy about taking your bra off at the end of the day. That that exhalation, that exhilaration when you can do that, and um, and things like that. We'll just never understand. I'm not going to try to understand, or I'll listen. But you, I want you to know that I know that I'll never get it. I need some help here. And granted, it's a follicle thing, but even if I was not so challenged there, I wouldn't understand it. There's been a thing on the internet lately. I guess Gen Z versus other gen, uh, other Gens are going side part versus middle part. I don't get it. It took me back to the Jennifer Aniston hair discussions. So I didn't get it then. I don't get it now. Would someone like to explain it to me? Um, and Anya Taylor-Joy, the wonderful and stunningly gorgeous... Actress from Queen's Gambit I guess threw her opinion out on that With some pictures from the Golden Globes The other night And um, again We we say I try not to be cliche And use cliches and say the same things over and over again And this is definitely cliche Though not one I use all the time But the pictures I saw of her With the side part that people were talking about For Golden Globes Drop dead gorgeous like the kind of dead i just mentioned with pedro pascal's character that's how drop dead gorgeous she was in that gown and with those pictures so feel free to explain uh cedar point Uh, sorry i'm looking ahead here um side part to me but cedar point doing some hiring 6500 i'm guessing mostly seasonal employees i think it's on march 13th or 14th the story is on 13abc.com um don't know what the work is like or it involves, um, I, I will remind you, I'll take this opportunity as um, the minimum wage discussion is always going and I have a new thought about that. Um, and I won't dive into that whole discussion now, but what if we got rid of the minimum wage? So people would earn like what? I know that, the, the, and I'm not talking about like when it comes to servers and stuff. What if we got rid of the minimum wage? then I feel like employers would truly have to offer more competitive pay all the time. But to a point that I wanted to get to in this part of the discussion, Cedar Point, whoever's doing the hiring, I wish there was a little bit less complaining about the minimum wage and more people saying, I'm not going to accept that. You you can decline the job. I mean, the worst thing in the world is to get off of the job, know most of what the job entails then going, this is not enough money. Like make that decision before you, before you accept the job. And if enough people say, and if enough people go, that's not enough money, uh, there will be a worker shortage. I mean, I know, I know this, this would entail a lot of cohesion from people, but I wish the chorus was more of forget minimum wage. That's not enough for me to do that job. And if enough people did that, it would force employers to organically offer more money. Where was... Uh, I was texting with my good friend Vinny last night, and I sent him a screenshot, and I'm just stalling now for time. Because uh, there was also a thing, a, a sports reporter yesterday made a made a big deal about how she got by her first two years on the job with like $16,000, and it, it brought up like paid internships and whatnot. And Vinny had some... I'm going to use Vinny's point. I... I I encourage any kind of internship. Um, Vinny brought up a good point. If you're doing someone else's job and not getting paid as an intern, that's a problem. But I also know that there are many internships where you're not doing anything and you're just sitting around and it's three hours a day and the best you can get out of it is listening. And I also understand that paid and unpaid internships play into the formula of inequality because if someone has money and can take a free internship um where someone who can't afford to spend those hours working for free or learning for free and getting experience for free it removes them from that opportunity i completely understand that where is the damn thing here it is um I know that this might not fly these days and this too might have naturally happened where these jobs became something that they weren't. And I get it. Uh, Someone who's half my age or 25 or 30 has a different perspective on these things, but I knew when I was growing up, when I was working at the skating rink, unless I got to be like a manager, which I did everything at the skating rink, but be a manager, my dad was for a long time, I knew that those jobs were not for... Keeping that—that that was not for salary. That was not for full time. That was not supposed. What I was supposed supposed to make my livelihood. And I get there is all kinds of um, minutia involved in what pays the bills, what keeps you afloat, and inflation hasn't been matched by. Um, by workers' pay, and a a lot of things. But this is just a very broad thought that I agree with. These types of jobs, the part-time ones, the ones where you're getting 12 bucks an hour, and you're doing 12 bucks an hour work for the sake of the argument. These types of jobs are not designed to provide for a family. They're either for someone looking to get a foot in the door and join the workforce, or someone looking for extra income or a temporary port in the storm if they've lost their job. We are misleading people to think that these lower-rung jobs will afford a sustainable life. It also reeks of discrimination. So again, I don't know how we got caught up in certain jobs that when I was getting into the workforce, I never knew that they were to sustain my life. Um, There was a point in my life where I pieced together a lot of jobs. Um, I was doing radio and making part-time money, but I was also fortunate enough to work those into DJ gigs that were really well paying. Um, And... I think it's more onerous now because school, if that's the route you choose to go, higher education is so much more expensive now than it was then, where the savings that my dad and even my grandparents were able to put aside for my college fund would have done the trick for most of the university. Um, it, had I not gotten a scholarship and stayed in school, it would have done the trick. That stuff wouldn't even put a dent in the cost of college these days. That's why I'm always saying, look, I know as an 18 or a 19-year-old or a 17-year-old, you can't foresee everything, but it is important. It should be part of the higher education process for you to figure out, okay, where is the line of work I'm interested in getting into going? Will it be around in five years? Will the pay go down in ten years? Is this worth me taking loans Upwards of fifty to one hundred thousand dollars. How and when can I get that back? So and I know there are a lot of spokes that go. It's another octopus issue. In fact, it's like two octopuses tied together with all the things that go into sustaining a lifestyle in 2021, paying for higher education, doing higher education at all, getting a job because it's requiring higher education. But so there's a lot of things in there. But again, I go back to the power of no. If you don't agree with the job you're interviewing for and the offer that comes to you for the money, you can walk away and say no. I would not have much sympathy for you if you moved forward with that job and complained about how little you were making or if it didn't support your lifestyle and or your bills. So I could throw a lot more more things in there as well. Like I had a lot of roommates until a certain point in my life. Um, I did multiple jobs. I pieced jobs together. Um, I'm always happy to talk about my intern experience. Um, and again, there's economics in that as well. That got heavier than I expected for uh, for Cedar Point. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. They're messing with the greatest candy of all time. They're just going to do peanut butter cups. They're taking the chocolate out of it. Some people say that's the best part. I don't think with, with peanut butter included in anything, nothing is a better part when peanut butter is one of the ingredients. These Reese's peanut butter cups look interesting. Um, they may or may not work out. Uh, Bruce, uh, Josh Brubaker, who has like a billion followers on TikTok and is our midday DJ, our midday radio host, had a great thing on the air a couple weeks ago with Oreos. He said he found a story that said Oreo. I think it's Oreos. They make all these dumb and weird flavors, and then and then it'll do well, and then sales of the original Oreos skyrocket kind of reminding you like how good the OG is. And maybe that's what Reese's Peanut Butter Cups is doing with these. Um, Some final things, shout out to Jason Kuchma and the library. If you need help figuring out where, when, and how, the FAQs of getting vaccinated, I know there's a lot of information that you can get from the library. Also, um, in many cases, I go with my Weather Underground app, and they're not saying anything more than... Um, low to mid-60s, but I've seen a couple of places say it's going to be in the 70s or 70, Monday and Tuesday or early next week. That would be incredible. And um, I did have one more serious thing to get to. Oh, can I share a story with you? It's about the shower. Last thing, and then we'll pull up Zach here. Um, so when I worked at the other place, at iHeartMedia... Uh, worked in the morning, same hours as the morning show, Rick and Mary Beth on 101.5 The River. And did you know how much confusion there is between that station and the station I work on now? Um, I can't quite figure it out. I shake my head when people confuse it. Floyd and I would sit here and we would get calls for Rick doing contests on The River Every day, like clockwork. It's wild. Somebody the other day actually just said, hey, uh, I have a friend in town. He'd love to meet you. Um, Come get a tour of the river. I'm like, whoa. I don't work there. They're like, they fired you again? I'm like, no, I never. Confusion. So I would see, I was always very cordial um, when I would see Mary Beth in in the hallways. And when I first moved to Toledo in 2013, I think she was going through, she was finishing up her chemo battle. And I, I was just cordial. But when you start a new job, I'm, when I start a new job, I am not the one, first one to go around and shake everybody's hand. Maybe I'm a little better now than when I was older. But um, So fast forward to 2015. Early in the year, my mom got her stage four lung cancer diagnosis. In June or July, she died. I might be embellishing this story a little bit, not for you, but for myself, just because it sounds so Poetic. But I'm going with it, and Mary Beth never never denied it as well. So Mary Beth, uh, I think between 15, some she had uh, cancer again, leukemia again that she had to do, um, and beat it again. I think this was the end of 2017. Um, And sadly, again, she just needed a bone marrow transplant, so she's in rough shape, but she's recovering well, as well as one can recover from such a serious procedure. And I saw her yesterday, but go back to 2015. Um, My mom passed away July 22nd or so of 2015, and something happened in that moment um, when Mary Beth and I would meet in the kitchen, I don't know how we got to talking about these things. You know, you just grow a relationship by centimeters over time. And I knew she was a sports fan and she knew that I like sports and I was doing the sports talk show on on the other station um, as well. And we just got to talking about tigers and that opened up this waterfall of dialogue and created a, an incredible friendship. One that I am so fortunate to have. I'm so glad that she cares so deeply about me and it's amazing whether it was me embellishing or misremembering things, whether it was just serendipitous, good fortune, whatever you want to call it. But right as my mom passed away, Mary Beth and I became great friends. Over what usually draws me to people, we talk the shit out of sports. So um, it was it was interesting. It's like I had lost my mom, who and I you you know me I'm much I am much closer with my dad. Um, but it was interesting. It's interesting how the universe does things, and you know, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. I believe in keeping the good karma. And it was just interesting to see that the universe had given me Mary Beth after my mom passed away. And again, maybe it was serendipitous. Maybe it was good fortune. It was luck. It was coincidence. right after my mom passed away in the summer of 2015, Mary Beth and I couldn't wait to see each other in the kitchen and be like, oh, did you watch the Tigers game last night? Oh, are you ready for the Pistons? Like, she is the biggest Pistons fan I've ever met outside of my friends that I know and have lived with in Detroit. And she'd talk about all these minute signings and trade this and draft pick that. It's wild. When um, we first got hit with the pandemic, and in March, when I would go home after the morning show and walk around the neighborhood for like three hours, she was one of the people who I would spend an hour on the phone with. And I am so happy about our relationship and where it is, and I pray and ask the the good universe to get her better so she can put all these horrific health issues behind her. So, long story short, long story medium, um, Mary Beth had always wanted me to connect with her son. We shared some interests or uh, weaknesses, maybe. And uh, her son moved home recently, and she told me that he was doing contracting work. Well, guess who I was all the more excited to give... If you were wondering, uh, the shower cost about $7,500. Remember, I just had the shower done, not the entire bathroom. So Mary Beth's son, for the last three weeks, has been, and it took three weeks in a day, has basically been my roommate along with his friend Dave. They are together, Bay Restoration. And um, I've had people ask me. I know people are always looking for good contractors. Can I tell you what I was most thrilled by and excited about obviously the work is top level craftsmanship and i couldn't have asked for the vision to come out all three of us actually we i couldn't have we couldn't have asked for the vision to come out in reality as it did but i had no like they left all their stuff at my place and every day they cleaned up my bedroom they vacuumed in, in the uh, garage uh, they cleaned up all the dust and stuff. Like, every day, they cleaned up like it was their own place. Such incredible professionalism. But as I've now explained to you how much Mary Beth like means to me, um, you can see why it was important for me to go, let's get this done. Of course I want to write your son a big-ass check. And he did an incredible job worthy of that check. Let's get to the sign guy. Yeah,
1: so my last name is Faruja.
0: Got it. Um, mm-hmm. Do you go by Zach? Zachary? I do go by Zach. Okay. Um, well, thanks for taking a couple of minutes. Do you even... you don't? So, I work at a radio station, but we do this uh-huh. podcast. You probably don't listen to radio stations anymore, right?
1: <laughs> I, do, I do. Not in my car as much anymore. Uh, but it was funny because I was sitting at home and uh, uh, we were playing, I think, the Switch. My dad, my sister, and I, we were all kind of sitting around the couch and I had mentioned that I was going on a radio station. My dad asked... Uh, which radio station? I said, I think it's Q105. He looked at me weird and he said, Zach, you're going on Q105? And I just sat there. I I was like, is (laughs) is that a good radio station? And I looked you guys up. I was like, oh my God, I listen to you guys all the time in my dad's car. So I was super thrilled about that. And, um, it was funny because, uh, now, now I'm here and, now the nerves are coming in, and oh,
0: you'll be fine. You'll you be, be fine. What I'm I, I actually have a lot to ask you, and I. I yeah. You know, every time you you say something, um, you'll set off my East Coast ears. <laughs> so I'm originally from Philadelphia. Okay. Um, and when I my friends tell me when I get super excited, or people yeah. that listen to the show, they say when, when when I get super excited, I I like lose my ability to keep that that uh, that accent from coming out. Yeah. I don't hear it, but they do. But it took me a long time. I originally moved to Detroit in nineteen ninety nine from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and I had to train myself to say water, not water.
1: Wooder <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah.
0: And uh they're sneakers, not tennis shoes, it's lollipops, not suckers, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um so you're so you said your dad you're in your dad's car. Does your family live here in Toledo now?
1: Yeah, we do. So my dad, he was uh, a Navy pilot for about 22 years. And so we were stationed in Norfolk, Virginia for about seven of those years. And uh, I think that's where the accent comes in. Um, But after my dad retired, we moved out to Maumee, Ohio, specifically, but Toledo, Ohio area, just because my mom's side of the family is in Ohio and my dad's side is in Michigan. And it it was kind of just really nice for that realization that after his retirement, we were going to be around family again. And so it's super, it's super nice to kind of, you know, I'm in college, but at the same time, uh, I'm still living at home. It's really nice to have the whole family, the gang back together again. And we've been living here for about five years and I love every second of it. So
0: what do you, I'll, I'll go in the reverse. What mm-hmm. do you miss about back, back East,
1: back East, <sighs> To be real with you probably the beach um okay. i haven't been around the beach for about well since i moved and so i i just really enjoyed uh especially that i have three sisters uh, no brothers very blessed for that uh but you know my mom would when my dad was deployed we would go to the beach all the time and have some mini family vacations uh there was a you know, I'm big into seafood as well, so when we were stationed out in norfolk virginia i I look forward to going out to Captain George's, which was a restaurant out there and um, but the beach, uh, the hot sun, it's pretty cold here in Ohio, uh, especially after that snowstorm. Oh my goodness, I miss it.
0: I always compare it to people they tried to get me to go um. When I first moved here, they're like, you can go to the lake. I'm like, yeah, but, and it's water and there's a beach. Yeah. But uh, unless England is on the other side, it's not my <laughs> kind of water. And yeah. um, like, you you know, when, when I was growing up back home, back east, like our mm-hmm. coldest days are 28 degrees and then it pops back up over freezing. There are yeah. weeks at a time here. We just had a couple of them where you don't get past 28 for, for a whole month. And like the 10 degrees difference makes a big deal.
1: Yeah, I I was the kid that wore a sweatshirt in 50-degree weather. Like, I was uh, – this weather is by far something I'm not really used to, especially after living here for five years. So, I understand that completely, 100%. You're
0: not going to get used to it. Uh, Don't even try. Yeah, I won't. Just complain all winter like (laughs) I do. Um, So – any uh, any restaurants or chain things that you miss from Becky's? What was the the seafood place you mentioned?
1: Yeah, Captain George's. It was a it was kind of a buffet, and we went there a couple times. But I've never had crab or lobster like that before, and so I really miss kind of uh, those seafood spots. Uh, you know, I think there's um, I think there's a place out in Waterville, a restaurant that has good seafood. But I mean. I, I, I think that's kind of what uh, I miss, really, most importantly.
0: What, uh, what beaches did you go to back east? I, uh, once, I, once I got to a certain age, I stopped going to the Jersey Shore, and I'm like, Ocean City, Maryland. Oh, okay. like I, I retired from the Jersey Shore and started to go to the Maryland beaches. Mm-hmm. I, think,
1: I think we really just went to the Chesapeake Bay, uh, Virginia Beach area. Uh, just because the Navy base was around there, sure, and so we had uh, free access on certain spots of the beaches, which was super nice. I mean the beaches were jam packed, uh, but there were certain spots where we we could go and um, i I think one of my fondest memories growing up was going to all the different lighthouses uh, yeah. the abandoned lighthouses uh, that that was super fun, especially as, as a kid, I remember being on top of one of the lighthouses and looking over and seeing all the dolphins in the water. It was a really great moment, but
0: where's your, where, where your mom's from here. You said, where's, where's your dad? Yeah. Where, where are they both originally from?
1: Yeah. So my mom uh, is originally from Toledo, Ohio. My right. dad, uh, I'm pretty sure I can't remember specifically in Michigan. It's about an hour out from here. Uh, but it, it's funny. They, they met in Arizona, so they weren't even in the area when they first met, but it's kind of nice how everything worked out. Uh, but Ohio is nice yeah
0: I hear uh, I hear <laughs> hints of like all different accents in your words yeah <laughs> and up, up, up and down East Coast you're just like a fusion of, of all of those uh, and, uh, bef- be- before I ask you about uh, about sign stuff I saw of I, course I, I think I, I correctly saw um, you're interested in the in the arts and you want to act?
1: I am yeah.
0: So let me ask you this, we are not necessarily a hub for that, UT is not necessarily known for that, it's a great yeah. uh, engineering school, great for the medical profession. Mm-hmm. What, uh, how is your journey getting into acting going here in Toledo and what are some of your aspirations?
1: Of course, yeah, uh, I think for me when I was first looking my senior year, I wasn't even looking into the arts, I just wanted to kind of be exactly like my dad and join the military, but due to some medical issues, I had to find a different different occupation during that time and just was really into writing scripts. My sophomore year of high school, it was kind of just a side hobby and saw that UT had a film program. Of course, just like what you said, uh, we're not really known uh, for the arts as of right now. We're kind of slowly climbing the ranks here, but it, it, it's nice because number one tuition isn't as bad as it would be you know I was looking at uh, the New York Film Academy at some (laughs) point and I I remember kind of looking at that and being man, $60,000 a year is not kind of what I'm trying to do but UT uh, after talking to him offered some good scholarship money and it's nice kind of not being uh, you know the small fish in the big pond sure you know what I'm saying and UT has amazing professors, uh, one of which right now, Matt Foss. I'm in a couple classes with him, and it's just phenomenal uh, what they can teach you. And you can really get a degree anywhere, but you know, UT has really offered me so much as of right now as an aspiring actor and hopefully someday a uh, director. But I'm just really taking it one step at a time. I'm also trying to get a certification as an EMT and a firefighter this summer at one of the local firehouses. It's just with the whole pandemic, they're not really doing a lot of sure. ride-alongs.
0: I uh, I have some friends with TFD, um, yeah. a guy that I had on the podcast recently, Paris Devon. Paris is a great dude. Um, I'd be happy to connect you with him. He can answer some of your questions about like mm-hmm. what his life is like and um, figure out if that's for you because that's, that's great to, to do both, fallback position or not, but um, that's awesome to have those different aspirations.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, I, I enjoy the whole uh... the arts field you know kind of i'm not really the best at interviews and all that uh... fun stuff but i think for me where i'm at right now in my life all i really want to do is kind of be a part of projects whether it's acting directing anything cinema related even you know volunteer work i just want to be a part of stuff that helps the community and uh... something that can really uh, you know change someone's life I, i think cinema is something that really has captured my my site, you know, the past couple of years just because it's something about being a part of a project where you can really just change someone's whole motive that, that next week. I remember growing up and seeing a bunch of films and basing my, my week off of the main characters and just kind of where I'm at right now. It's something that really interests me. What
0: kind of movies have turned you on recently that uh, that you try to share with your friends? I'm sure maybe you're a little bit more highbrow with your Hollywood interest than your friends are.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, just with school, I haven't really been into watching a lot of films recently. I know one of my favorite films, uh, Patch Adams with Robin Williams, is something that's really kind of changed my whole motive of how I want to live my life. And it's the simple things of just, you know, being there for somebody or uh, making someone's life a little bit better than where they could be. That excites me more than anything. And I think cinema cinema can really offer me that. And I'm just really looking forward to kind of where these next couple of years can take me. I have a couple of internships lined up. And uh, I really can't say too much about those yet because they're still kind of in the process with the whole sure. pandemic. Uh, but I'm looking into... Uh, a couple of acting agents, uh, hopefully this upcoming fall. But you know, just taking tiny steps at this point.
0: Um, yeah, it's the right plan because our, our world, even though it looks like we're getting to the end of this pandemic, it'll be changed know, forever, and yeah. everything is still kind of fluid. I, I am kind of curious, so I have some some mm-hmm. friends um, who you might like a lot because they're they're film nerds. Um, my one friend, <laughs> my one friend Justin, he used to work at the art museum. Now he does some social okay. media stuff for for Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. he was the only person on my Twitter timeline that was excited about the Golden Globes the other night. He's that kind okay. of film wonk. I'm yeah. curious, he, uh, he and some other people that I know went to and really enjoyed the media program um, mm. at, at BG. What made yeah. you choose UT over maybe looking at BG? I,
1: I was really excited about BG. I was actually thinking about transferring after my sophomore year, but I think it's so, so cool Kind of as aspiring actor to kind of look back if i ever do make it uh to kind of look back where i started and ut has offered me so much and you know bg has i i know they have really great equipment and a whole green screen room and it just it, it seems kind of like in the eyes of any ohio aspiring actor or film director that you would go there but you know ut is slowly getting to that point uh we make uh, we make do with what we have, and I mean, some of the stuff that some of the students create is just mind-boggling, and just being around this kind of group of uh, young, aspiring actors and directors, it really excites me because I just, I, I know I'm kind of in the same shoes as them, and it kind of makes me uh, want to be better, uh, to kind of show that whole uh, Toledo win... Uh, You kind of see what I'm saying. It's just UT has, yeah.
0: I appreciate uh, what I would (laughs) say is your is your um, ambition to be a yeah. part of something that is on the way up, where you want to be part, you want to be part of like one of the classes that people talk to talk about. Exactly. When, like, look, I don't yeah. know if, if UT's uh, media and arts program uh, mm. will ever be up there with its engineering and its, its medical programs, but maybe one day mm. it will be higher than it is now. And people can look back at people like you and, and your other students and go, these are the kids, these are the guys and girls that made it what it is now for us.
1: Exactly. And, you phrased it amazingly. I, I started talking. I'm like, man, I really don't want to throw any shade on
0: UT, <laughs> it's, it's but fine. yeah, it's fine. I, I appreciate your uh, your your pride not only for the school but seemingly mm-hmm. for the area as well. And you've gone, you yeah. said several times you you want to make somebody's day. And now let's go. Why you're why I asked you to come on. So of course, um, yeah. Somebody sent our our boss here at work sent me a video. From Mm -hmm. you holding the sign at at, uh, the signs at the corner of Secor and Door. When Mm -hmm. I Googled it, um, the stories from the fall came up, and then it it triggered my memory to to you doing it back in the fall. And I was uncertain if you had been back out there. So let's start in the fall. You wanted to hold up signs in the middle of a terrible pandemic and make people feel good, right?
1: (laughs) I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was kind of funny how it all started. Uh, which, you know, we we can totally dive into if you want. I do, I
0: do. That's the fun thing about podcasts. We can talk about anything and say whatever we want.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm telling you, man, I was so nervous coming on. I'm like, I've never been on a podcast before. I have no idea how this goes. But, yeah, kind of leading into that, I think for me, uh, last year, uh, for a lot of people as well, it was was really rough. And I know a lot of people kind of – deal with anxiety and stress a lot differently but I I feel like I tend to just overthink a lot and there are certain things happening in my life that I was really trying to figure out during the time and one of which was why I'm here you know what's my purpose and so I I think it was around I can't remember when I first started but it was definitely during the fall there was one night where I was kind of sitting in my bedroom and I was trying to study for an exam that next morning, but really couldn't wrap my head around it just because of everything going on during that, during that moment. And uh, reached out to a couple flashcards right across for me, and just started writing things I wish people were telling me. And uh, you know, I I wrote certain things like, you know, you're great or you look amazing. Uh, And I got to about 50 of them, and. I was getting pretty emotional during it just because of everything going on, but when I looked at the flashcards, I was like, man, I really wish other people could see this as well. And so that next morning, I decided to get on my bike and bike around campus. I don't have a parking pass for UT just because (laughs) I wasn't looking to pay... Uh, yeah. Some money this semester just because most of my classes are online. So and then I parked t- and then to get tickets exactly uh, as well because I've been oh hit with, yeah
0: I've been hit with the UT parking tickets before and it's a nightmare.
1: It's happened a couple times for me, but uh, luckily I am a part of a fratern fraternity at UT uh, Sigma Phi Epsilon, and they're a great group of guys and offer me a room at one of their townhouses, which is a blessing because now the walk is. It's, it's about a 20-minute walk to campus, and it's it's not entirely bad. But, of course, when it snows and the yeah. sidewalks are plowed, uh, I'm basically like a rabbit hopping through the ice, uh, which is always fun to look forward to when I wake up. But, yeah, that next morning I got on my bike and just started biking around uh, UT's campus handing out the cards. And the reaction that I got from some of the people that I met was uh, – it was just crazy. I remember actually going up to a lovely female uh, who was sitting on a bench with her dog and just biked up and you know I just I thought I was kinda being super weird invading people's spaces but you know I just thought people needed to see it and handed her a card and she looked at me and started tearing up and saying you know why are you doing this and I said I I don't know I just I I feel like I feel like this is something that you may need and she got up and gave me the biggest hug and said, I really didn't need this today. Thank you so much. And Look at that. Yeah, and just that kind of reaction really changed uh, my motive. And, you know, I sat there uh, driving home in my car and I was like, man, I wish I could do something more. And actually on the side of the road, I saw someone, someone spinning a sign. And I uh, was like, what if I just put positive words on a sign and just stood somewhere? And so I went home and asked my mom for a paper sign. And the next day... At around I think 4 o'clock I stood around Barnes & Noble just because of you know the traffic that kind of builds up during that time and stood out there and was so nervous I cannot express to you how nervous I was going out there that first day just because I didn't know how people were gonna take it but I am beyond blessed on how many smiles I was able to create just in that time period I mean just for an hour uh, you know there is a comment I I try to stay away from social media as much as I can just because of the negative negativity that can come from it. But I remember one comment that I read about a guy that was like, uh, you know, how can you see their faces, you know, with the whole, all the masks and stuff. And, but, you know, just standing outside, you know, in the cars and stuff, uh, the general reaction people will get, you'll you'll read the sign and then they'll smile and they'll honk. And it's just, it's, it's really great, especially after a rough year. It's something that really can refill me uh, every week. Wednesdays are the the number one day I look forward to. But uh, it just from that day forward, uh, I really wanted to keep doing it. And I can't remember if I, if it was that first day or the next week after, but NBC ended up doing an interview on me and <laughs> the reporter. I think her name was uh, Brianna. Uh, she had asked if I was going to keep doing it. And I was so excited during the interview. I was like, of course I am. I'll be here every week. (laughs) And I was driving home that next day. I was like, what did I do? But it's really, like I said, it's something that I really look forward to. And I'm really happy that I've stuck with it. Uh, The weather was super bad for about a couple weeks in the beginning of the semester. So, of course, I really couldn't do it. I just didn't want to distract anybody from driving. Sure. Uh, But uh, rain or shine. That's a great thought, uh, by the way.
0: Like, I don't... You're you're a very... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm, you're a very impressive young man, and I feel so oh, old thank saying you. that, but I think I, I you are half my age. But like people your age don't think about that, and I'm not saying that they're all out there mm-hmm. you know, doing dumb things, but to have the yeah. foresight to go, look, I'd love to help people today, but I'm helping people by not being a distraction is, is a very adult thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I, that, that's funny. You're not the first person that's mentioned that. You know, being 19, I really look... Uh, you know, look around my peers, and uh, don't get me wrong, like I said, I'm in a fraternity, um, and there's a lot of events that I could go to, but I think for me, where I'm at in my life, uh, what I'm focused more importantly on is being the best person that I can be, and sometimes that means uh, distancing yourself so you can rebuild. Uh, Like I said, everybody kind of deals with anxiety and stress a lot differently, but I think uh, going into this year was really rough for me, and uh, I'm, I'm... so proud to say that I'm doing so much better and I think holding signs and uh, surrounding myself with people that want to be a part of my life is absolutely uh, the number one thing that I could be You've, had, really you've obviously about.
0: learned a lot with this and I, mm-hmm. I'm going to hit you with a bunch of uh, with like wisdom right now of course because you have inspired me to remember these things and I make little notes (laughs) for myself and I go back to these things uh the first thing was you said that girl you sat down to like you changed her day Mm -hmm. so there is a a gentleman named Kevin Hines you familiar with him
1: uh I've heard the name before but if I saw a picture of him
0: come here a couple of different times to speak um i work i do a lot of mental health advocacy and uh, yeah he was connected with us with the lucas county suicide prevention coalition mm-hmm. so kevin hines is one of the many hundreds of people who tried to kill himself by jumping off the golden gate bridge yeah and he tells the story of he was just standing there looking somber and sad he wasn't he wasn't ready to jump but mm-hmm. um just Tons of people were walking by him. In fact, uh, I think he says one couple asked him to take a photo of them. And not yeah. a single person said, hey, man, are you okay? And mm-hmm. if if they did, he might not have jumped. Um, and that, you reminded me of that story of Kevin's with, mm-hmm. with that one girl. Like, who knows? What, look, it was an awful year. And, you know, people have gone sideways in a lot of ways. And who knows what kind of hole that girl could have gone down. Yeah. Um, if you didn't hand her, hand her that card. I mean, that's mm. awesome.
1: No. Yeah, and I 100% love hearing that that story. I think I think for me, I I get asked the question a lot why I hold signs and you know, I feel like the answer always changes, but I think specifically the reason why I really do it is because I know there's one person out there that really needs me yep. and you know, I've had a lot of people come up to me and they're like, man, you must you must get just the popularity of it, you know, uh, all the smiles, all the happiness and et cetera. But I have my fair share of, you know, middle fingers and, <laughs> you know, I, I've i had a couple of people stop right in front of me to tell me off. And actually last week I had someone do a burnout right in front of me and that, that stuff can really uh, mess someone up. But I think for me, just knowing that there's that one person that needs me that day during that time is yeah. all I'm really focused on, and as much as I would love to be there for everybody, which I, which I am, you know, I, I my hand is always open to anybody that that needs it, uh, whether it's now or later. But just being able to be there for that one person is something that really excites me every week. Uh, but yeah, I, I love hearing stories like that because. You know, Not saying I'm in that situation, but sure. I, I know what it feels like to be in that kind of low. Um, and it, it can really be hard when you don't have people around you that's supporting you. And I just want people to know, whether I know you now or later, um, that I'm always going to be rooting for you. And I'm really looking forward to eventually meeting you someday if I'm able, blessed enough, to cross paths with you. Emotionally, but, yeah. emotionally
0: wise beyond... Beyond your years. I, I'm going to I'm going to throw a couple uh, more pieces of wisdom at you because, again you made me think of these and you can use them or maybe it will be some kind of affirmation for you. Um, yeah. The meaning of life is to find your gifts and the purpose of life is to give that gift away. And you're doing mm-hmm. exactly that by making other people feel great. Um, another one, I think this is a Ralph Waldo Emerson one and I just came across this not that long ago because everybody, everybody really wants to wake up and have a great day and yeah. we're, we're misguided in that way in, 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 some ways because happiness will come and go, but the purpose of life is not to be happy. It's to be mm-hmm. useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. And you are absolutely doing that.
1: Thank you. Yeah. No. And thank you so much. That so really means Wednesday, a
0: lot. Wednesday, night no, I won't, uh, I'm not going to get you into, like, it's going to be an everyday thing, right? You've yeah. It. Wednesday nights from 5 to 6, you're going to be out there with signs?
1: I will, yeah. Rain or shine. Yeah.
0: Have Have people requested signs or offered suggestions?
1: Uh, I haven't had any suggestions yet. I've had people that want to come and join me, and I think it's so amazing that there's so many people that want to kind of stand out there and hold signs. I th- I think you and I were talking about it at some point. Yeah. Uh, But... Uh, now I haven't had any suggestions. I had people... I had somebody join me one time. They had made their own sign and asked if they wanted to stand by me. And I was like, heck yeah. I would, awesome. I would love that, but... No suggestions yeah, I'm, I'm okay. willing to take suggestions. So.
0: Stick with what works. Um, and, <laughs> and You'll find other things. One more thing that you reminded me of. So yeah. when I do a, uh, I do a lot of talks, and it's usually for a lot of high mm-hmm. school and middle school kids. Yeah. And I, I do a little experiment because these are things that I had learned as I was as I was battling a lot of depression mm-hmm. and anxiety. I, I was the prototypical kid who was terrified of the dentist, like crippled. With yeah. fear and anxiety And I overcame a lot of things mm-hmm. um, But there, there's a little trick that I do Where I ask the kids Or the school I go, who, who wants to volunteer And stand up here with us for a couple of minutes And be kind of like a co-presenter And mm-hmm. the kids that raise their hands I tell them to screw off I get the kid that is bashful and turtles up, and I pull that kid up here, and I I pull that kid up to stand with us. They can stand off to the side, and I say, on a scale of 1 to 10 right now, how high is your anxiety? And most of them are like a billion, (laughs) because they're nervous of anything. They don't want to be called on. And then Mm -hmm. we go on with our presentation, and then then as we're getting close to the end, I look over to them and say, so on a scale of 1 to 10, where's your anxiety? And they're like... Not a billion, because mm-hmm. as you found out, you can make your anxiety go away. It's a it's kind of a cognitive technique called immersion or flooding, where you just sit through your anxiety long enough, and you realize it was lying. Like ninety eight percent of it was was lying to you.
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. when you like you said when you first went out to when you were hitting the hard streets of UT, you were terrified, yeah. and now you can't wait for Wednesdays.
1: I know it's the day that I look forward to every single week, and it's tomorrow too. So. Yeah. I'm really excited to, especially I think thirteen ABC just did an interview uh, on spreading my message, and you know I was looking at their website. Like I said, I try to stay off of social media as much as I can, but I had scrolled through to see the video one one more time, and it was at like twenty point two k likes, and to me that's a lot, yes, and uh, a lot. and just knowing that there's a lot of or twenty point two k views, my bad, but still though that there's people out there that know that I do this now, it's something that, it could be a lot of pressure, but it's something I am really blessed that I'm able to do now, because this just started for, you know, this was just for me, um, uh, not for me, but I, I think part of holding signs, what I've realized is it's helped make me a better person, and so going out there every single week, as much as I really was looking forward to helping others, it just, it was also helping me as well, Sure. and Uh, Now that I'm able to kind of spread the message and now there's multiple people that want to be a part of it It's something that is growing and I'm looking I have a couple ideas uh, Maybe starting a club at UT nothing much. I can really talk about right now, but uh, There's something that I'm really looking to do with holding signs uh, Hopefully pairing up with the University of Toledo, but that hopefully can be announced coming soon but it's just it's really exciting where I'm at right now, especially starting this new year, spreading positivity. Yeah,
0: and warm weather's coming. You're going you, hopefully you'll have some long nights out there and lots of interest. And yeah. I'm happy to help you in, in any way possible. Um Thank so you. please don't ever hesitate to reach out to me. And I did mm-hmm. think of one request if you don't already have this one already. Let me hear it. Be kind.
1: That's a good one. Be kind. Let me write this down a little notepad right next to you. There
0: you me. go. Um this was a pleasure to talk to you. You are a far more impressive of a human being than I expected to chat with. Um, Thank you. But you're, a, you're a great dude. And uh, I'm glad that you're still somewhat familiar with a radio station here in 2021 in the <laughs> Spotify world that we live in. Hey, and, yeah. Uh, shout out to your, uh, to your mom and dad for, for doing great with you. And I'm sure they've done the, uh, just as well with your sisters. And, and I, on behalf of Toledo, I'm glad that we have somebody like you here living here and with all the pride you have for our community.
1: Wow. I'm, I'm speechless. I'm beyond blessed, like beyond any words. I, I, I just want to thank you again for having me of and course. putting up with uh, my first podcast interview. It could have, of course, gone a lot more smoothly, but I am so thrilled that I got to spend an hour with you talking about my message and what I'm looking forward to do, spreading positivity, positivity here on out.
0: Yeah, t- um, for anybody that's listening to this before Wednesday, uh, you'll look for look for Zach tomorrow night between five and six. You're on the uh, the Barnes and Noble corner of Seacor and Door.
1: I am. I think okay. it's Seacor and Acre, uh, but right over by Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Can't
0: miss it. Uh, Zach, thanks for the time and seriously tell tell your uh, tell your dad I said what's up and uh, I'll have you back okay. soon. We'll we'll get on something together. And, I would um, love that. I'll get this all polished up and you'll have a link to share out and I I really appreciate having you on.
1: Oh, thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Zach. Take care.
1: Will do.